the celebrity breakup of our generation, therapy talk is ruining our friendships, and what the hell happened to Australian label Ellery. We're Maggie and Jasmine, and you're listening to Culture Club, our fortnightly chat about pop culture, current affairs, the internet, and our lives. We acknowledge that the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people are the traditional custodians of this land we are on today. We would like to pay our respects to Elders past and present. We would also like to celebrate the rich history of First Nations culture and storytelling that we're continually learning from. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hello, everyone. We were just talking about our long Easter weekends, and then we were like, maybe we should actually record this, you know, for content. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But we're both saying that we have had a very relaxing long weekends. It's been raining here in Melbourne. Um, I got my period on like Friday Mm. or Saturday as well, and I think that also helped in me listening to my body and just resting and not feeling guilty, even though internalized capitalism and um watching heaps of old movies, finishing TV shows, taking my dog out for a walk, you can probably hear barking, um, so that kind of stuff. And you're, you've done similar, right? Yeah. Wow, we had a little guest spot just then with your little puppy. <laughs> um, yeah, it was funny because I was just saying to Jazz, we've had four days off. I was like, I feel like I didn't do much. I could have done more. And then I'm thinking, I'm like, I went out to two dinners. I went to two friends' houses. I went to a comedy show. I went to the about? movies. What am I talking about? But I kid you not, like it really felt like I wasn't doing much that sounds so silly but you know I was actually scrolling I didn't post on Instagram at all until um today which is like Monday late afternoon but I was like looking through a lot of people's stories and um Issa's just like not a big thing in my household or whatever so it's not like we have those big family dinners wait but speaking of I did have lots of big family dinners with Tom's family I just feel like there's sometimes that need or like that weird feeling of not doing enough even if you are and that doesn't even have to be about productivity and capitalism it can just be about like hanging out with friends and just like being I don't know yeah but don't you think okay we're already getting into cult club vibe don't you think that feeling like I need to see friends I need to clean up my cupboard I need to do this I need to do this is still like productivity mm, true it is like in the weirdest way I think it's just FOMO in different ways I saw mm. your story about watching rom-coms all weekend I was mm-hmm. like oh that sounds so nice <laughs> right anything anything it's a strange thing. Yeah. I was feeling a bit like um a weird vibes this weekend. So maybe that fed into it. But overall I had a nice weekend. I actually love the Easter weekend. I did the same last year. I remember I caught up with a friend who had a colleague, rather, well, friend, colleague, whatever. Anyway, she had she was visiting Melbourne for the long weekend. And she's like, What did you do? And I was like, honestly, not much. I got all my emails down to zero and she had been at this oh. like rave festival a weekend. And she was like, <laughs> like laughed at me and I was like to me that is like Mm. doing that kind of life stuff is it's a good time to do it I feel like Easter because like you don't have the summer holidays you don't have the pressure of like Mm. Christmas like family stuff it's just like it's too expensive to go anywhere to travel anywhere to go on a trip accommodation so like just staying at home and like pottering I said to my boyfriend Mm. on Thursday Friday I was like all I want to do this weekend is just stay at home and potter yes (laughs) 
Oh my god, yeah, I packing twice like this weekend. <laughs> I baked a cake. I actually love that. You're right. But speaking of, there are there are admin tasks waiting yeah. for me that I just forgot about. But that's future Maggie's problem. Um, but current Jasmine and Maggie's problem <laughs> is oh my god. the I'm gonna call it a rumor, okay? Because I can't bring myself to call it anything else. The rumor that Taylor Swift and Joe Alwyn have broken up. What? Yeah, this the way this dropped on like Saturday or was it yesterday? I can't. I don't know what day it is. But honestly, that news it felt like someone died. Mm. <laughs> the way it spread and it, like you know, I think I shared Shameless's post with you. Mm. Like, oh my god! Like friends DMing me. It was wild. Do you know like the? I forgot how many the six degrees of grief or what is it mm. night like <laughs> uh the six stages of grief that's it I'm still stuck on denial yeah I can tell I think I've now moved on to kind of recognition I don't know if that's an official one but I think it's real and I have my reasons mm-hmm. to believe well, you tell me you tell me so of course entertainment tonight are the publication that initially broke the story and then it was doing the rounds on like TMZ and like pop you know, it was a pop um, crave and things like that mm, yeah. um, on Twitter. And, but then CNN confirmed it. <gasps> so a source close to Taylor confirmed the news to CNN saying, quote, Taylor and Joe broke up a few weeks ago. They simply grew apart and planned to remain friends. For me, CNN, you know, they're known for like their war journalism and like their legit, yeah, talking well. about the president journalism. So for them to report on like a pop culture entertainment story and to be like a source close to CNN or a source close to Taylor told us, for me, mm. I'm like they've done their fact-checking. <laughs> they know yeah. that this is a legit source and therefore I think it is real. But I have seen a lot of denial, especially on TikTok, of, uh, you know, people being like, they're always private. Like yeah. I'm not, you know, believing anything until they confirm it themselves. But like when does Taylor Swift ever respond to like rumors anyway mm. i don't think she's done that for years right yeah well that's why i think it's harder to stomach because it's like mm. it's not like we saw a dwindling of photos of them out together or you know instagram posts of them that slowly petered out it's just like uh, their relationship has very much existed in that parasocial space anyway we kind of project onto it anyway so it's mm. like who's to say it's not real i don't know <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like you said, the duo has kept their relationship super private over the last six years. But the sad thing is obviously Taylor, you know, gains a lot of inspiration from her relationship. So there's like multiple, dozens of songs on Mm. multiple albums that are about him. And most recently there's uh, Lavender Haze, which is a track from Midnight's. Um, She has specifically said that one is about joe saying that when you're in a lavender haze of love you'll do anything to stay there and not let people bring you down off of that cloud so she also said on her instagram like my relationship for six years we've had to dodge weird rumors tabloid stuff and we just ignore it this song is sort of about the act of ignoring that stuff to protect the real stuff but joe also has writing credits on songs you know love songs so it is quite sad i have actually been listening to her discography like since the news broke I don't know it just got me back on my Taylor grind <laughs> I am sure there's a Spotify playlist out there uh, like purely mm-hmm. uh, with 
songs about Joe from Taylor. So that's out there. I saw you um, post Sweet Nothing on your story, which I'm like, Chas is in her feels and doing the notes. <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm working on Culture Club. Yeah. No, I was so – and like Sweet Nothing, I feel like that's also like what my weekend has been, just like yeah. going into your own little world and like, I don't know, I love that song so much. And so, yeah, it's very sad. And then I posted that and someone was like, did you hear the news? I was like, bestie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I know. Um, so I, of course, the internet has been talking a lot about this. Some TikToks have been funny. Some have been very parasocial, you know, kind of like, if they're not the end game, then I have no chance, etc. Um, But I don't know if you've seen this on TikTok today. I think this is where it's gone too far. Mm. So there have been people going to Taylor and Joe's old apartment. So they don't live there anymore, but their old New York apartment in Cornelia Street, New York City. And that apartment is referenced in the song Cornelia Street, which was on her Lover album. And fans are like going outside the apartment and like they were already taking photos as like a kind of touristy thing there. But now they've gone there and they're putting like flowers down outside the door like Mm. someone died, like when Princess Diana died and like filming themselves and People actually in the comments were calling it out. They're like, this is why Mm. she's so weird about us. This is why she's scared of us. This is why, like, we can't have nice things and why she never really, like, responds to rumors. Because, like, Swifty, sorry, I'm a Swifty. You're a Swifty. We're all Swifties Mm -hmm. here. But I don't know. Sometimes I feel like the Swift fandom can go too far. And for me, I'm just like, that's fucking weird. Sorry. Like, that's weird. It's just, it's a relationship and it's sadly broken up. You know, we're both in our fields, but like to literally go to the apartment and put flowers down where they don't even live there anymore. I don't know. Yeah, it is a weird thing and it feels like a very internet thing. Like I'm almost mm. not surprised that it's gone like that. Like people trying to also like cap- capitalize off a moment and mm. make content off it. It's weird because I actually haven't seen this on my TikTok. It's so weird when the algorithm gets it wrong. Mm. I'm like, I do want to see what's <laughs> happening. Um, but I kind of feel in the same boat of like I was super shocked at the news. But then like – I'm like not that devastated because I'm like you're right no one's died for one and never really involved or impacted me like I love them as a couple but I don't know I don't know if it's because it was so private that's why it hasn't affected Mm. me as much but I'm like whoa this this just feels like a big shift but I'm not like personally devastated because I know they're both like gonna be good like you know they're fine (laughs) well they're probably not fine but like you know apparently it was amicable it was mutual um, but what is sad to me is that Taylor has just started her Eras tour and night after night she's going to have to sing these love songs about Joe, which is just like the worst time. She hasn't toured for like, what, four or five years mm-hmm. and now weeks after they break up she has to do this. There is evidence that Taylor has changed the set list recently from Invisible String, which is a song from Folklore about her and Joe and there was always an Invisible String, you know, pe- piecing them together through their whole lives and they've changed it to the one which is just the most tragic song of folklore first song on the album so I think people were like oh that's so weird that she changed it and now this news has come out and they're like mm. oh like imagine singing that song like you could have been the one on stage in front of thousands thousands of people like it's already an emotionally charged place to be I think like an arena yeah. singing these songs to like dedicated fans so like 
I just hope she's okay. <laughs> like we know, know her, but, you know, yeah. I don't know. It's just that would be hard. It will be hard, but let's just put the good vibes out that she does come to Australia and that when she comes here, most likely summer next year or whatever, oh. it'll be happier vibes and hopefully that'll be good for her and us. <laughs> From breakups to get-togethers. This was also news this week. And mm. again, I text you like, what the <laughs> Like there's been so many moments this week where I'm like, what the hell? Um, but apparently Timothy Chalamet and Kylie Jenner are seeing each other. But in my mind, these people don't exist in the same universe. Like this was the most odd pairing. Um, what do you think of this? Yeah, this honestly doesn't make sense in my little brain so this rumor i'm calling it a rumor again uh, <laughs> made waves because of dumois so an anonymous person tipped they wrote anon please multiple sources have told me that timmy c has a new girl dot 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 kylie jenner another person then wrote in and said quote i heard they are both going to be at coachella and then another anonymous person responded saying, I can 100% confirm that. So we know that Dumois has a high success rate with a lot of their rumors. So it's not just some run-of-the-mill gossip page. But there is this is the only proof, hey? Like we don't, we don't have photos. We don't have any, any other reports of them being allegedly together. Mm, yes. Yeah, there hasn't been any confirmation or photos, pap photos taken, uh, unlike Timothy in the pool, that model, do you remember that? Like him pashing her in the pool and it was all awkward. He can be very awkward with paparazzi. And like the Lily Rose Depp Yeah, I'm thinking about photos. the Lily Rose one. I'm like, there's another. <laughs> yeah, there was another one in a pool. Um, so there's been nothing like that. But Kylie and her baby daddy, Travis Scott, apparently called it quits for the second time in December after the two stars rekindled their romance back in 2020. They always seem to be on, off again. Apparently they're off at the moment. Um, but after the Timothy or Timothy rumor took off, Kylie actually posted snaps of herself in a pool wearing a pink bikini. I don't know if you saw them, but I saw a TikTok that said the pictures were giving the peach in Call Me By Her Name. <laughs> Rip. So, uh, yeah, the internet is doing what it always does. But didn't we say... As I was writing these notes, I was like, didn't we say in our 2023 predictions mm -hmm. that Tim Timely, Timothy Chalamet would have a flop era? Yeah, we did. And I stand by that. Mm. He has flopped in my mind already. Mm. He has pre-flopped, you know, and it hasn't even hit the middle of 2023. He's just, I don't know, there's this oversaturation of him. I feel that's just, I'm just picturing him as Willy Wonka, like half Same. the time when he comes to my head. I just can't. He's in like every single goddamn movie coming out. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, well, we, this is like, we've spoken about this in Culture Club before in that I'm like, I don't really get it. Mm. I can, I sometimes see it. Uh, Isabella, if you're listening, I'm so sorry, but, um, I don't know. I don't, anyway, that's not the point. The point is that I think this goes against his kind of indie movie, Wes Anderson artist vibe. I'm not saying he's like not mainstream. He's obviously mainstream. He was in Dune. Um, but you know, he kind of likes to do like Woody Allen movies and Wes Anderson movies and that kind of like New York artist, like Lady Bird, Greta Goig. Um, and yeah, now he's gonna be in Willy Wonka. I'm like, is this 
distracting from his Willy Wonka movie. I don't know. It just makes me think, though, that this whole thing, um, I think it is going to happen. Like we will get photos of them at Coachella, Mm -hmm. but it just makes me feel like it is disappear moment because why like you know those tips from Dumois about being like oh they will 100% be at Coachella like that is a locked and loaded planned thing that's already going to happen um if we are to trust these sources um yeah it does feel like a some sort of PR moment yeah people are saying this is part of the Cardenas rebrand So because they have been very quiet in recent months and back in early March, there was a rumor that Anna Wintour hasn't invited the famous family to the Met Gala. If this is true, then it'd be the first Met in a decade where someone from the Cardenas hasn't attended. Like it's only in very recent years that all of them have been there. Um, Mm. But, you know, Kim and Kanye were invited a decade ago. This conversation has been happening, you know, for the last couple of months. I feel like we even spoke about it last year. It's been a very slow slow down of the car dashians i think mm. um but i read a quote from an article titled if the kardashian era is ending let it burn by jake silbert for hyatt snobiety and it says people are tired of hearing about the kardashian jenners paying thousands for 15 minute flights on private jets as they preach about climate change and eating vegan They're tired of hearing the Kardashians feign ignorance over cosmetic surgery. They're tired of hearing Kim tell regular working women to stop being lazy. They're tired of seeing the Kardashians everywhere, at every fashion show, sponsored by every fashion brand, even the problematic ones. So people are kind of saying, like, is this Kris Jenner trying to get Kylie? Because apparently her makeup brand isn't doing as well. Like people are kind of turning Mm. off Kylie Cosmetics compared to, you know, the peak in 2016-17, is this, like, Kris Jenner's way of being like, okay, Kylie, we're going to, like, pay you with a indie-ish actor to get you back into A-list? Like, is it a ploy to make her more A-list again and to get back to the Met, to get back to, like, red carpet events and stuff? Yeah, God, I it's such a weird one because I feel like if it was to kind of get back to that A list status, it wouldn't be someone like Timmy. Mm. So this Timmy move makes me feel like she's trying to claw back at like authentic, not authenticity, yeah, like relatability. I know they're always been aspirational, but remember, like a few, like maybe close to a year ago, like she's trying to be like relatable on TikTok and she's filming and her cameras dropping (laughs) in the car and stuff like that. So. I think it might be trying to be more likable because mm. to me in like general is quite loved, right? Mm. So I don't know, like she's trying to do the Emma Chamberlain effect kind yeah. of thing. I don't know, maybe. True, 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 true. Interesting. Anyway, we will see. Around International Transgender Day of Visibility, Celeb Lizzo announced the launch of a new collection as part of her shapewear brand Yidi. Okay, did you even know that she had this brand? I didn't know she had this brand until this news came out. Uh, and same, I didn't yeah. realize it was called Yitty. What does Yitty even mean? I actually like that name. I'm like Yitty. I'm like, yeah, Yitty. I can see that like catching on. It's like Miffy. That's probably why you like <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> The subconscious, I'm like iffy, like anything with iffy in it or whatever, something close to that. Um, <laughs> but I find it interesting that we both didn't know 
about this brand because Lizzo herself has done so much, right? She's won Grammy. She's won Emmy. She has her own TV show. She's known for her activism work. And that's all on top of her uh, music career, which is obviously mm-hmm. what she's most known for. Um, I find it interesting that she has so many fingers and so many pies. I think we've talked about it before, but I think especially being like a black woman in the industry, she can't just be great. She's got to be exceptional, right? So I think that is part and parcel of it. But the reason we are talking about this this week is because the new collection has garnered some controversy online. So it's called Your Skin by Yeti, and it's touted to be this gender-affirming line, which includes items like binding tops and tucking thongs. Interestingly enough, um, Yiddy's parent company is Fabletics. Is that Kate Hudson's brand? Fabletics? I think you might be right. I think I remember seeing Kate Hudson. Let me check. Yeah, she co-founded it eight years ago. That's so random. But yeah. You might have seen the brand this week and Lizzo being called out. So a day after Yiddy's announcement post, Your Body, a trans and queer woman owned and operated business, accused Yiddy of basing its new line of products on the brand's products without giving them credit. Your Body also said Yiddy ignored its offer to partner with them despite the company's meeting. I found this so interesting reading through these threads on like Twitter and Instagram because your body said that Yiddy ordered a full size run of its compression tops last year and um, allegedly they said that they use that to um, develop its own range of garments. And on top of all that, they said that when they finally met with a Yiddy team this year, they were really surprised to see no trans people um, on their on Yiddy's team. They also said, your body also said, that it wasn't until Yiddy finally announced like this whole line that your body was asked to become consultants to like in the future. Um, so it felt like a very much like a second day, oh, whoops, we, we've gone this bad rap, like let's pull mm-hmm. them on as consultants. Um, yeah. They also like added Fabletics and said, with the rise in anti-trans legislation and rhetoric, rainbow capitalism is more dangerous than ever. You need to recognize trans people beyond the value of our money. If you want to market to us as a community, you must take a stand for our safety, security, and survival at Yidi and at Fabletics. If you're going to make us the face of your line, we should also be the backbone. I love that line. Mm. At Lizzo, your team harmed members of the community you aim to serve and we feel taken advantage mm. of. I think this was just like such powerful statements and really well done this whole time. They never also put the blame on Lizzo either, which I think was kind of important to do. Like they did acknowledge it's her team and Fabletics as well, because I do think going after the one celebrity at the center of something like, I don't know, like that leaves a sour Mm. taste in my mouth. But I think this was, yeah, really interesting to see unfold. So when Diet Prada amplified this story, it was really interesting to see the comment section because there was a big range of responses and emotions to this. So one person wrote, trans people are allowed to get nice things without our trauma constantly attached to it. Lizzo has been super vocal and this line is awesome. We didn't need an accompanying manifesto. People can talk about trans topic without a million disclaimers. We need levity too. So that's someone um, from the trans community. Mm. Someone else said, 
okay, but all companies do this, literally. I worked in consumer goods for many years and no matter what industry, companies buy their competitors' products. It's part of having a solid production development plan and white people have been doing this forever, so sus to be calling out a black woman for it. Mm. And then just to like show how convoluted the conversation is mm. like getting, there's kind of been more fire from both sides. So people have called out your body, which is a small business for their lack of size inclusivity. So that's another thing. Also Fabletics, um, like so Diet Pride has mentioned this, but Fabletics has dozens of sexual and physical abuse allegations as well like it's messy I think running businesses especially in the fashion Mm. sphere as we'll find out later in the episode it's messy um especially as like I don't know if you want to add but like as two cis women like we can't we Mm. don't I personally don't have like a stance here but I do think it's if I was like in a position where Lizzo is like, I don't feel comfortable profiting off gender diverse people, like without having trans and gender diverse people in our teams. Oh, 100%. 100%. I feel like even at work, like you can't like what in our media work, we're pitching things for, you know, like to kind of highlight diverse voices. And we're always just like, we cannot speak on this topic, even if it's not a I experienced this and this happened, even if it's just speaking to a topic like uh, gender neutrality or whatever, we're like in our team, we're like we're all cisgender people, we can't speak on this. Like you have to have people who have lived experience to even write about like, you know, fat, you know, whatever it is, 10 facts about gender diversity or whatever it is um, because, yeah, just it becomes so performative and so like, and so easy to make mistakes, which can then harm the community further mm. or hurt people or whatever. So, yeah, I agree that, you know, it's like it's like the conversation we've been having since 2020 in Black Lives Matter. Like you can't have this model diversity without having black people in your team or mm. whatever it is. So it's a similar conversation. And I think Lizzo should have known better than that but also – she is a celebrity like how much you think she has to do with this when she's about to go on tour like Mm. a tricky one an article in bustle has gone viral over the weekend and we need to talk about it it's titled is therapy speak making us selfish by rebecca fishbean it basically discusses this new phenomenon of therapy speak in friendships and relationships and that's also been called HRification of friendships, which has actually been growing for a number of years. You've probably seen a few instances mm. of it go viral in the last like two-ish years. Um, you know, it's when a TikTok psychologist is like, someone writes in like, I want to end my friendship. What do I do? And this like TikTok psychologist is like, yes. talks to them like they're in an HR meeting and they're getting fired. Like, you know, we no longer see eye to eye, therefore we should end this partnership kind of vibe. You guys know what I'm talking about. So we're going to read some of the article. It's not, um, you know, chronological, but we're just pulling out the parts that we think are the most impactful. In recent years, therapy concepts like self-care and boundary setting have shown up everywhere online with Instagram accounts and other social media communities sharing mantras and advice advocating for self-actualization. 
Now we have more language to advocate for ourselves and our needs, whether it be cancelling plans when we feel overwhelmed or ending relationships that no longer serve us. It's important to be able to set boundaries and advocate for yourself. Occasionally, though, the emphasis on protecting one's individual needs can overlook the fact that someone else is on the other side of that boundary setting. In 2019, for instance, a relationship coach's Twitter thread offering a template for telling friends in need of support that you're, quote, at capacity at the moment drew criticism for equating friendship to emotional labor. The article also gives some examples, which are actually, you know, there's like maybe five or six in the article, but some of them are so Mm. sad. And this is one, Mm. quote, Lucy, 29 and from Kentucky, had a friend who repeatedly insisted on dictating meetups in the name of self-care. Quote, when we would make plans, they would change them the day before, she says. Trying to reschedule and rearrange events would be met with The plan has changed. We're going to do alternate activity. I'm setting a boundary. If Lucy tried to protest, she says, her friend would accuse her of being pushy, which ultimately made her reluctant to make plans out of fear of coming off as demanding or toxic. In the piece, um, they spoke to a psychologist who recommended the practice of mutuality, which involves thinking about the other person's needs and your own at the same time, mutually, and deciding which are more urgent to prioritize at the moment so um they kind of pointed out there might be times when um you need to bail on plans or ignore texts or speak up when you feel mistreated um but there are other people on the other side of these interactions that have their own needs and have their own feelings um in response to that Mm. That actually reminded me of a quote you sent me, which was from um, an article in Stylist magazine. And it says, if a friend can't behave like a friend and be available, then they are not a friend. They are a memory. Mm, Yes, that is a very powerful quote. And... Yeah. What do you think of the fact that this has gone so viral and like people are coined out? Because I know that you yourself are very, you're very good with boundaries and setting your boundaries. Um, How do you feel about Mm. this like conversation? Okay. I have two things to bring up. The first one, I'm a bit sheepish because I don't do things to this extent, but I can find, especially my like romantic relationship, I can feel myself weaponizing intelligence or weaponizing like linguistics and these like vocab that we have picked up when I'm like, like I know it's almost like a shield sometimes um, to prevent like vulnerability when you can kind of just like hoity-toity kind of like say all the stuff about the situation without just like I don't know how to say it, like oh. feeling the feelings. Could <laughs> you give an one. example? Good question. Um, like I, I don't use the words gaslight and stuff, but it's like on that vein. I'm trying to think of other trendy words that people like. Um, yeah, I can't. I think I know what you mean. Yeah, so mm-hmm. like would you say to your partner like I feel like you're doing this right now and therefore I feel this so – xyz like i mean almost um what's it called when you like um like you intellectualize your own emotions like you overthink your emotions instead of feeling them yes 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 i like that like what you said about like intellectualizing my emotions for sure like oh yeah i remember a specific instance where like i brought like weaponizing competence into the conversation Mm. and it's not that it's not warranted but i can but it's it 
puts up a barrier of some sort and Mm -hmm. it's like a it's a weird kind of like defense mechanism I would say and then the other kind of side to this um I think about is like it is a very like western mentality to be like self-care in this way of like my needs are like more important or like this this thing about um how relationships Mm -hmm. aren't like their work and their Mm -hmm like a nice to have or something I don't know I I think especially in eastern cultures it's very much more about like community and what we owe each other and that kind of thing obviously this is like biggest generalizations but in broad strokes Mm. like that is interesting to see from like someone with a Chinese background I guess 100% I agree with that and like I think that's why it there's a difference between setting boundaries and then yeah just like making your friends feel like their work or like Mm. yeah and I think it's you're right like it's from because we have such like an individualized capitalistic culture that you know like we say everything is productivity or like I don't know you see it a lot on TikTok Mm. or even like on Twitter when people say like oh my god my friend asked me to pick them up from the airport like for free kind of vibe you know (laughs) and it's like do you yeah. know what a friendship is? Do you know what a relationship is? Mm. So I agree with the article when I'm like, this has gone too far. Yeah. This kind of like boundary setting or saying something's toxic. I remember a Final Twin Nine did an article that was like, not everything is toxic, like just because you say it is. Yeah. And I think on the flip side of things, I think it's so nice. So like it's it's really great to interrogate like kind of like the bad parts of like relationships, like what we're doing now. But it's so nice to see on the flip side, like what beautiful, healthy relationships look like. So mm-hmm. um, I've seen on Twitter and I was talking to a friend about it and, um, you know, someone's had a baby and they're starting a food train with all like a group of friends so that means that for the next few weeks this person won't have to like cook meals like every few days like you know people are like delivering meals Mm. and like having that beautiful community um on like another side it's just I was talking to another friend and we like I just offered to help out with something very small and they were like uh I mean Ari and then they like took a beat and were like you know what I'm trying to get better at accepting help from others so actually mm-hmm. yes thank you right so it's like so nice because those things require work as well but it's really like really nice to see small things like that yeah I agree I think everyone like it's good to open these conversations up mm. I think and everyone to get a bit better at talking about their emotions um but yeah this has gone too far in my opinion but this story itself has actually gone so far like and so viral that pop culture instagram account saint hoax created an instagram carousel on it with a number of tweet responses and then one commenter in the instagram post at matt vldc wrote people found out about boundaries and decided to misuse the term to be horrible to others without feeling selfish or bad and I've also been on the receiving end of this where someone mm. will be like over like multiple times, like I'm just, you know, you, they make a plan and the day before I always check in, mm. oh, like are we still doing this? And it's just like, oh, I'm not feeling great or I'm like and fair enough, once, twice, whatever, but like it's like almost every time and obviously that's their own mm. issue, something is going on and like I feel like are you okay? But they're like setting a boundary and then you're kind of on the receiving end like god have I done something wrong or like and when you try over and over again you do just end up being like okay like I'm not gonna try anymore this Mm. is like a friendship is a two-way street um 
So it's all about finding a balance, right? Like we have to practice self-care, but we don't, we have to not do it so much that like we start isolating ourselves. It kind of speaks about that in the article as well of like, you know, you can claim anything in the name of self-care, but then it Mm -hmm. almost becomes bad for you because you're like pushing people away and then you'll wake up one day and be like, oh, I have like no friends or like, Yeah. yeah, it's a tricky one. I do think it is a result of like, capitalistic culture that's like the American dream like you have to do everything like you have to don't think about anyone else like you're number one um if you want something you have to get it like fuck everyone else that kind of rhetoric (laughs) you know yeah and it's and it's true like everything can be self-care nowadays but yeah Mm. self-care is actually community care and there are so Mm -hmm. many studies that show that that people with fertile friendships and really kind of care towards others and people who put energy elsewhere have really fulfilling lives and ultimately like that's that is true self-care as well yeah Australian fashion brand Ellery has been scrutinised in an incredible feat of fashion journalism by Australian journalist and writer Brie Lee for the publication The Monthly. So you might have been like us and seen this article shared so widely on socials and for good reason. We definitely think it's a piece worth talking about. It it was such a long read I think it's gonna be like over half an hour or something so wow <laughs> wait I was also writing notes or something so you know um give or take that we wanted to give you the points discussed in the article orally so you can you can listen to it but also we recommend reading it afterwards as well so let's break it down Kimberly or Kim Ellery founded Ellery at 23 years old in 2007 Mm. and saw raging success early on. She showed at Paris Fashion Week in 2015, making her one of only three Australian designers ever to be invited by the event's controlling body. She was on the cover of AFR magazine and had opened the 2016 Australian Fashion Week. So among all that glitz and glamour, we kind of saw a few small like financial and business slip up slowly drip, like drip fed in this time. So in that glowing cover AFR piece, the journalist actually wrote that a staffer who failed to file business activity statements to the ATO, Australian Tax Office, um, was no longer with a company, right? This little little sprinkle of, oh, something's not right here. Um, another claim that Ellery was the second best-selling designer brand in this Chinese retail outlet was fact-checked to, to be incorrect. So, ooh, a few little lies throughout the business. And then in 2011, Ellery went to court actually over a breach of contract uh, when they were supposed to be exclusively stocked at Maya, but then they they were selling to David Jones at the same time too. Interestingly enough, like Kim Ellery was like applauded for this, like, oh my God, you go boss, go get her kind of really? thing. Yeah. So even in like the height of their business, we can see some little cracks start to open which is essentially what this piece is about um I feel like maybe just for some overarching context um in 2019 their business went into voluntary administration but that's not the end of this story so we're gonna like go through how they got there etc where they are now so a lot of the discrepancies with Ellery were about like the makers and the payment um for garment 
workers. Interestingly enough, in 2018, Kim told AFR like about Ellery's team of artisans from around the world who make the garments. In actuality, a lot of the garments were in like were made in Australia. And for the piece, Brie went to visit Raymond and Sally Wong in Marrickville, Sydney, who have been making Ellery's clothes for over a decade through their business, Sadie Clothing Company. So they were kind of like one of 10 makers in Sydney. Mm -hmm. And according to Raymond, when the Wong started working for Ellery, the label was still small and it would wait until it owed the Wongs $10,000 before making a payment of around $2,000. Raymond says that, quote, they owed us money but not that much. But after several years, the Wong stopped making for Ellery because of this ongoing payment issue. But after Ellery continued to gain, like, global success, the Wong thought, okay, it's going to be safe for them to work for Ellery again since they have money flowing through. Um, Ellery quickly grew to be their main customer and like 50% of its turnover was from Ellery. So they were super like dependent financially on Ellery. But past habits don't die fast or whatever they say. (laughs) The size of their debts grew too. So just after two seasons, so about a year's worth of making for Ellery, the Wongs checked their figures and became, quote, scared. They were basically at this stalemate, right? So they felt like they couldn't quit working for Ellery because they were owed so much money, around $100,000, which grew to $130,000 just a few months later, but they didn't know what to do. So in this time, there was a lot of back and forth about repayments, about like how much money Ellery owed the Wongs. And Eventually, what happened was right before Ellery went into voluntary administration, which means like all business activity stops, they were still placing so many orders with the Wongs, knowing full well that they can't pay them, right? So this is the really sad part. So um, for listeners, I cried three times reading this goddamn piece. Um, This was a first cry. So Sally says they lost so much money on that last season in particular. It made her, quote, very upset to think of how garments were ordered so close in time to the closure. Quote, they still chasing us to make so much thing, but they know they're not going to pay us. It's not right. In contrast, Sally knew that Kim's house cost $3,000 a week in rent. So Sally Wong emailed Kim Ellery directly on April 16, 2019 to try to resolve the debt issue that at this point had been going for three years. Under the subject line, Desperate Letter from Sadie Clothing Company, she described how Ellery had defaulted on the agreed weekly payments and expressed her concerns about rumors the company intended to move offshore. In addition, she wrote, As you understand, we are a very small factory which has very limited resources. Any loss can be fatal and cause our factory to shut down completely. We have 10 workers that service your company for the past 10 years that help you to build up your business by making high-quality garments. We always put your company first as we are part of your business. However, if we cannot chase back the debt from you, more than 10 families will be suffer by losing their jobs and even more than we can imagine. The money is our hard-earned money, and with blood and tear, we will consider any solution that can resolve the problem, and my workers and myself are desperately waiting to hear your reply. Of course, Kim didn't reply to that. 
And the thing is, this wasn't like a one-off situation either. Brie spoke to another maker of Ellery. Her name's May. And it's just, it was like literally copy-paste, similar story, debt upon debt. Um, it's just so sad. So this is Brie's words, um, quote, I asked May how she felt when she learned that Ellery was closing in Australia. I feel very sad. I wrote a letter to them telling them how hard I have been working. There's no holiday. I work a lot of overtime. This is only a small family factory. So whenever they request it, I just work very hard and just all the time. And no one replied to her letter. It was just, I just, I was so angry reading this piece Mm. because it was like, who's getting fucked over by this glamorous Australian label who like is reeling in like cash or at least like projecting this life of luxury. It seems like most of the time these Asian families in Australia working their ass off Mm -hmm. and they have put their trust in Ellery. Like I don't think I've included the quotes here, but especially the Wongs, they were like, we are so stupid. We trusted her. We wanted to help her grow. Like I am just so upset. God, it makes me feel a bit nauseous to be honest. And like, yeah, the her like Parisian glamorous apartment mm-hmm. I've seen pictures of before and like she's heralded as like an Australian success story. Like mm-hmm. if you can make it outside of Australia, you've kind of made it in general. Yeah. So this is so icky. Completely. And the thing was when she went into voluntary admission, right, like the public message was kind of like, oh, you know, having like manufacturing in Australia was too expensive to run. But in reality, this is what Bree said. The public line was that Ellery could not afford to work with Australian makers. But in reality, it was the makers who could not afford to work with Ellery. And you'd think with all this out there, right, literally Ellery was millions in debt you think that would be the end of Ellery, right? Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. Um, she literally registered a French business called Ellery Paris in February 2017. And, you know, even as close to 2020 and 2021, the brand still saw international success and marketing and media didn't slow down. They literally collabed with Witchery just in recent years as well. Like, it's. Bizarre. Wow. The last post was November 2022. Yeah. And when I checked, I was like, wow, hundreds of people I'm following are following Ellery. Yeah. And it's just so interesting because they are, like you mentioned, like the Herald is such an incredible story, an incredible brand. And it just makes me so upset. Thank you for sharing that story with us and Breely for writing it. Incredible journalism as always. And if you want to read the full thing, the link will be in our show notes. So like we said at the start of the app, we've had a long weekend of just chilling and is there anything that you've been loving, watching, reading, listening to uh, this week? Oh, actually, interestingly enough, there's a lot of dud TV shows that I've been watching, um, <laughs> which is random, but I'm glad to bring up a show that I have really enjoyed watching. To be honest, I probably finished it a few weeks ago, like the week it dropped. Mm. I am, of course, talking about the TV show Class of 07. We love a spot of Australian TV. And of course, if you tuned into our last episode, we had Sanaa Sheikh, who is an actress on the show on. So yes, a little full circle moment for mm. all of us. 
If you didn't know, Class of 07 is this TV show that's on Amazon Prime. Um, It kind of follows this group of women at their like 10-year high school reunion. But what happens is a tidal wave kind of like hits the earth as we know it. And um, the former students must find a way to survive on the island um, at their high school campus. A lot of chaos ensues and it is a hoot to watch um definitely lives up to the brief of like lord of the flies meets mean girls if you're also interested in that like kind of social experiment meets post apocalyptic genre like this will be up your alley it's also super fun funny light-hearted binge it in a few days randomly though it's a bit more gruesome than i thought like it's quite i think i tried to warn you jazz as well i was like it's pretty like parts of it like visually like grotesque yeah <laughs> um, but that's what it would be like if you were in a, an oh apocalypse God, situation right so I like they didn't shy away from that true you yeah. are right um but it's really like just like a very fun show that I would recommend to people like such great local talent that we have that I think was really highlighted too Yes, I actually only finished that last night, so I'm Ah. still in that world. I loved it so much. There were points where I was like sobbing (laughs) Ah. over like some of the the friendship stuff and Mm. it talks a lot about friendship breakups and just like growing up this year is actually my 10-year like – Oh, wow. Yeah, 10-year – I don't think we're doing a reunion, but a 10-year anniversary of graduating high school, showing my age. Um. So, yeah, it was kind of like very, what's the word, relatable. Yeah. Not, not the apocalypse bit, but anyway. Um, and I, it was like laugh out loud funny and then also very emotional. And, mm. you know, you learn about a lot about trauma, friendships, like relationships. It was, yeah. I'm jumping on your recommendation, but I'm backing no, up. But it, it was so, so good. Um, loved it. And we actually, met Megan at this event the other night I hung out with her for the she plays Amelia Mm -hmm. Megan Smart her name is and she actually told us were you there when she told us that um it was all filmed actually where they filmed The Great Gatsby yes 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 so like once she told me that I told us that I was like watching it and I was like oh yeah that staircase is like the same as The Great Gatsby or like that tinted window stained glass window um there's another fact that she told. Oh yeah, that it was all filmed during Omicron in yeah. Sydney, so mm. therefore, like it felt like it probably helped the acting in a way because they all mm. had to kind of like isolate together and like be together every day and like be careful of COVID and stuff. So she was saying it was kind of um, what's the word? Like fitting, fitting. Like, yeah. yeah, art meets life moment. <laughs> so yeah. We 100% recommend and after you've watched or before you've watched, go back and listen to our episode with Mm. Sanaa from last week because she also had a a fascinating, you know, perspective on acting. Apart from that, Jazz, what else have you loved to watch, read or listen to this past fortnight? Mm. So like I said, I watched a lot of movies over the weekend, finished Class 07, but I also started Well Mania. I'm only two mm. episodes in, but so far I'm really enjoying it. Some people have been like, oh, it's Celeste Barber, which I know she can be problematic sometimes and, like, the way she can kind of make fun of women feels a bit mm. icky sometimes. But I was choosing to put that aside and be like, I'm going to support Australian TV, 
go into this with like fresh eyes, not think of her as Celeste Barber, the Instagrammer, but see her as the character that she's playing. So if you haven't heard about it, the story follows Liv Healy, played by Celeste, who's a single late 30-ish Australian food writer living up in New York, you know, living the high life, eating out, drugs, sex, all that stuff. She goes home to Sydney for one weekend, which is so extra, but it's her best friend's <laughs> 40th birthday. Uh-huh. And through various events, which I won't spoil, she ends up getting stuck in Sydney. In order to head back to New York, which she really wants to do, she's kind of like, I hate Australia, like it's a bum fuck nowhere. Um, but to get back, she has to clean up her party girl act. And it's, I'm like I said, I'm only two episodes in, but it's genuinely laugh out loud funny. Mm-hmm. Like there were moments I was watching like, the, the writing is really clever and I felt the same way about Class of 07. I'm curious to see what will happen to her character. I kind of think about it every now and then, like, oh, I should go back to that, which I think is a sign of a good TV show and a good first episode as well. Like it really yeah. hooks you in. Um, it is actually written by and executive produced by um, Benjamin Law, who we reference a lot on this podcast, so it's really good to see Australian TV and women especially getting their moment on these streaming platforms mm. while Mania is on Netflix. Um, and I think we need to support more Australian TV. So these two coming out really close together feels refreshing. So mm. I hope this this series that continues in the way it starts off, I haven't like just recommended something dud, but um, so far it's, it's easy watch, don't have to think too hard. It kind of critiques wellness culture. So it's right up my alley. Yeah, I'm intrigued by this show because it's based on a book by Bridget Delaney, I want to say, and it was written as a nonfiction. Like this this journalist went and like did all these health little fads and kicks. Mm. But is this feeling like a normal TV show, like a drama vibe? It's like Maybe. a comedy drama. <laughs> sorry, you nod. This is you nodded. This sorry, is an audio. Sorry. <laughs> yes, yes. It's a comedy drama. So okay, good. Because that's on my alley. Because I saw like a few stills of it, and I like the way it's shot. You know, mm. like the style looks good. So that's good. I th- and yeah. also, um, Izzy from work, um, also is really liking it. So yeah. tick tick tick. I think tick, I'm gonna tick. watch this. Yeah, it's easy. And episodes are half an hour, which I love. I'm so tired of like one hour, 45 minute TV shows, especially when I'm working. I'm like, I don't have time for this. Mm -hmm. So I love just like, yeah, 30 minute quick. We get the gist vibe. And yeah, I love watching Bondi on screen. And like when Mm. Bondi or Sydney is on screen for a global audience, it just shows the best of like Sydney culture, which I am a Melbourne gal, but I just love seeing it on screen. So yeah. There we go. Cute. What a fun episode. I know. We covered so much. We literally were like, <laughs> because we had so much to cover. But thanks for bearing with us. Everybody, I appreciate you sticking around and listening to a little small culture club. We so appreciate it. If you like this, we haven't had a review since like October, November on uh, Apple Podcasts. So if you enjoyed this ep- or you love us, <laughs> no, um, please write us a review or give us a little star rating because that will help us get back in the charts maybe in the charts for ages yes amazing we love you lots and until next time have a good one Bye. bye